Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. On the Advertising Show, which is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show is a big radio midget production, and out of New York uh, this weekend, we have for you Alan Adamson, a managing director of the New York office of Lander and Associates. I guess, Brad, that it's good that he's in New York. It's a good thing. Responsible for all aspects of the office's operation. He even makes coffee, I understand. We have, <laughs> I don't know that I'm just saying that. Anyway, we'll have Alan for uh, this hour and next hour, and we're looking forward to that as well. It's uh, Lander Associates out of New York, Lander, New York. And a bunch more as well, too. Patrick Meyer joins us, and the Marketing Insider is talking about the good guys. That's not those old WMCA uh, jocks back from the 60s. This is something different. Uh, Joe Jaffe is with us, a different perspective, and Joe uh, chooses to say, walk your talk, or as Joe would say it, walk your talk. <laughs> and uh, we've got Jeffrey Gittimer, and um, this is kind of a neat feature, too. I hope you stay with us this hour. It's uh, tell stories. You know, and Jeffrey is, of course, is a sales trainer. Andy Borowitz is at Dick Cheney again. He just won't leave him alone. And uh, we've got baby advertising on the wacky world of marketing. What, hmm. what about that? And later on this hour, it is advertising. And we're out of time for this segment, so that's yeah. where it goes, pal. See you how, later. How you doing? I'm doing great. And by the way, uh, the uh, the advertising, as we call it, Advertiser Showcase, we slang it with advertising. But uh, Ask.com, a, a great spot that was produced by TBWA Shy Day out of San Francisco. Uh, many of our listeners may be thinking, Ask.com, now what in the world is that? Well, you got to start by remembering... Uh, uh, ask Jeeves, and Which then it has Jeeves, the exact same and then it became logo, Ask. Exactly. Yeah. So. Right. But anyway, it's an interesting uh, spot and an interesting website, so we'll talk about I wonder about if anybody that. picked up Jeeves.com, because that'd be a real good one as well. Oh, I'm yeah. sure they picked it up and stuck it, uh, pointed, it pointed it towards Ask.com to make sure Jeeves, I have a question.com yeah. or something like that. Hey, you know, a company called Upsnap, uh, Ray, reached uh, out to us a few weeks ago, and we're now part of their network. It's a provider of free mobile search and content services making the advertising shows podcast available to mobile listeners via their network called MBN or mobile broadcast network so uh, now if you want to hear the advertising show uh, you can hear that through your cell phone or wireless device or should we now call it mobile phone as we're calling it now yep I think the cell phone is still a little bit better than a mobile phone because you really ought to be sitting still when you're listening and talking. Well, yeah, but the cell towers have gone away, so they're calling it mobile phone. But anyway, it's MyMBM, MyMBM.com, if you want to check that out. Or you can get us through the AdvertisingShow.com, of course, as most people around the world do. Okay, enough shameless plugs now, which is good. Yeah, well, I like that. Uh, have you ever heard of the brand Carmex? Uh, and it's not it's the, for the lip stuff. It's, it's exactly right. It's not what yeah. you think it might be. Carmex. Yeah. No, they don't sell cars to Mexicans. Hmm. For nearly 70 years, loyal <laughs> chap-lipped users have <laughs> dabbed on Carmex lip balm from its classic yellow package. I guess I have, too. Customer Devotion made it the third largest selling lip balm in the country, uh, despite a lack of advertising, 
sales campaigns, or product updates. Hmm. So they're breaking the mold there. Now the uh, the uh, yellow cap jars found next to cash registers at nearly every pharmacy and convenience store uh, are going uh, Madison Avenue now. It's a family-run business, Karma Laboratories, Inc. They've got a sales manager. That's a good thing. A yeah. former employee of Blistex. <laughs> he apparently got mad. To oversee the company's sales and growth, Carmex has started advertising. It's launching new lines and even adding flavors such as cherry and strawberry in the fall. So it'll be interesting to see how the number three brand manages to execute something that they've never done before. And I wonder if they'll hold on to their number three spot. I can just see the CEO now, Brad. You spent how much? Yeah. And how many did we sell? Right. We never did this before. You know, I've seen the product, the, the repackaging you're referring to. I just happened to have been in a, a drug a drugstore, a chain, national chain that will go uh, unnamed, CVS. And uh, anyway, I was there, and it, uh, I noticed that right off because Carmax, it used to look like it was a little uh, – Look like a, a jar that you would find in, like, uh, if you joined the Marine Corps. You know, it would be in your little oh, yeah, uh, GI yeah, yeah, issue, yeah, exactly. you know. Yeah, and then right. the, this new packaging uh, is definitely uh, up to date. And, frankly, I'm surprised it took them this long to, to decide out upon. Yeah. Well, you go in there, you go, hey, man, I want some Carmex. <laughs> you go in there. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got uh, Patrick Meyer, uh, who is a nice guy. Actually, he's a good guy. Let's Let's listen. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to talk to you about the good guy tuna company. Ever see the movie Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty and Julie Christie? And they debate tuna being captured and damaging dolphin at the same time. And Leo J. Farnsworth says, let's be the good guy tuna company. Well, there was an idea there that really applies to what you do in your business every day. Either as a brand manager or as an advertising executive, you need to be thinking about what does the good guy want? What does the good guy company do? It's what do consumers really want? What benefit would they love to have in their product that they're not getting right now? Most companies that I work with focus on their product that they've had for years, and many of them do not evolve and innovate with their products. But by listening to consumers and what they want, and be the good guy, and you can bring forward new ideas that will be profitable. It's all about driving growth and profit. One of Now's clients, a big food company, debated long and hard about how best to go forward as people were more wellness-oriented. We recommended they modify their product, remove the trans fats, focus on the added benefit. Lo and behold, the consumer is surprised and delighted by what we've done. The press picks up on it, magazines start writing about it, and the brand takes off and is on fire and is growing rapidly. So here's my message to you. Be the good guy company, good guy brand. Look for those things that the consumer is really dying for or really would be surprised and delighted for, and then add them into your business. Go to your consumers, talk to them, find out what they are, fight the system, develop new ideas, advertise and market new ideas for the consumer, and you're a good guy, and you'll come out ahead. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. It's the Advertising Show. Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth, about to uh, bring on Alan Adamson, who is the Managing Director of the New York Office of uh, Lander Associates, responsible for all aspects of the uh, office's operations. He's overseen uh, branding efforts for a broad spectrum of uh, corporate and consumer brands in industries, uh, ranging from technology to healthcare to fashion. Speaking of healthcare, there's a new uh, marketing effort now, uh, hospitals marketing to the affluently ill. 
Okay. Mm. Interesting, huh? Meaning people that can pay their bill. Exactly. Well, pay their bill <laughs> and then some. You see, the, the, yeah. oh, give me two of those. They're only 500 bucks a piece. <laughs> uh, they're aspirin. Uh, before joining Lander, uh, Alan gained uh, branding and marketing expertise on both uh, agency and client side. He was a senior VP group director at uh, Emirati and uh, uh, Puris and uh, DMB and B. His clients include PNG. Uh, it just goes on and on. M&M Mars, 3M, A- A- AAA, uh, no, BMW, and other uh, companies that had letters but uh, but no names for their, their company name. <laughs> I'm joking, Alan. Uh, some of those are true, though. P&G and M&M Mars is right. So we'll get Alan on here in just a minute on the advertising show. And a lot more to come, too. Uh, it's a whole two hours of entertainment here at theadvertisingshow.com. And uh, we invite you to stay with us. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. I love Bacno, it's rich in chocolate tea. Chocolate flavored Bacno is mighty good for me. Mama puts it in my milk for extra energy. Bacno gives me iron. On The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth, uh, our segment where we bring the guest on. And the guest this weekend is out of New York. It's Alan Adamson, Managing Director of Lander, New York. If you were listening, and we hope you were, we told you all about uh, um, Alan. He's also been, uh, Brad, on uh, part of the Today Show. He did the weather once, right, Alan? Uh, uh, only on a stormy day. On a stormy day, okay, good. Uh, good old Al Roker, you were there by him. Uh, CNBC and is often quoted in publications such as the Wall Street Journal, Advertising Age, and Brand Week. So, Alan, I've got to say it's great to have you here on the Advertising Show. Welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. And you can now add the Advertising Show to that uh, long the list. list. Of, yes, exactly. That would be good. Hey, you know, for our audience that uh, may not be familiar with uh, with Landor New York, uh, give give everyone a sense of what a, a brand strategy and design consultancy does. Uh, we do a, a range of things, but basically, we we get brought in to help companies define who they are, what they stand for, and how they differentiate. And the same for consumer products to help them position themselves clearly in the marketplace, and then create the signals or the branding to make sure people get it. So we work on how you're different and why people should care, and then we work on ways to get that message out for companies, products, services, almost any any category you can think of. And, of course, as a managing director, that's just code for you do it all and you're the boss. And make the coffee, as he said, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Good coffee. You know, Lander, uh, as many probably do know, is part of uh, YNR, WPP Group. Uh, and explain to our audience uh, how, how your relationship w- with YNR works. In particular, uh, you know, since you're both owned by WPP, uh, does Lander do work for other WPP-owned uh, agencies as well as Lander YNR? Lander business for about 35 or 40 years before we were purchased uh, about 10 years ago by Young Rubicon, and then uh, Young Rubicon was gobbled up by WPP uh, about five years ago. About 20% of our business or 25% of our business touches uh, another piece of Y&R, meaning Burson, Marsteller, Wonderman, and another 15% or so might touch another piece of the WPP empire, be it J.W. Thompson, JWT, or Settler, or another company. So Maybe a third of our business has some connection, uh, but the uh, vast majority of our clients are uh, standalone clients where we solve problems either by ourselves or in conjunction with uh, other agencies or other companies. 
Yeah, you know, uh, we've often had uh, over the past four-plus years brand experts uh, on our show, and I've never heard more definitions for a term than when it comes to branding. Let's let's hear your definition, Alan, of branding. Yeah, it's one of those, you go to a meeting and um, you ask uh, who does branding, and everyone's hands come up, including <laughs> you know, the people, uh, you know, uh, on the, uh, on the outside of the conference room, we're just looking in. So uh, you asked for my definition of uh, branding. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, well, that's an, an uh, often um, uh, the simple definition is uh, it's it's an idea that's in your head that defines why a product is different and why that difference is important to you. Uh, we call that relevant differentiation. But there's a lot of mis uh, terminology in that people use the term brand and branding interchangeably. Mm-hmm. People think that when they're creating a logo or creating an ad, they're they're building a brand. And, and all those <laughs> communication things, whether it's a, a logo or a tagline or an ad, those are things that uh, help you communicate. And those are branding elements. But a brand is really the core idea. What do you stand for and why should I care? And sadly, most people don't understand that and they get it all backwards and they come up with these stupid slogans that mean absolutely nothing. Right. You, you know, you, you, most people, when they start thinking about, I'm going to build a brand, they start, well, what are we going to, what are we going to, yeah, what, what type of logo, saying? what type of ad, yeah. before they do their homework and say, all right, what do we stand for? Why, you know, what are we, what's going to be different about us, uh, my product, and is that going to be important? And making sure you got the right starting ideas before you start worrying about uh, all the bells and whistles. And wouldn't you think, uh, Alan, that uh, not for a new product launch, but for an existing brand that uh, today in uh, 2006, and I think it's been this way for a while, those forward-looking companies that understand uh, branding and, and the importance of, of the role of brand in one's company, uh, they, they try to get in the heads of the consumer and view their brand from their consumer's perspective as opposed to creating some what do you want to be. And I'm talking more, of course, about existing products rather than new. Do you agree with that? Yeah, they, they, there's often a immediate uh, jump to that conclusion. And uh, uh, the, the real opportunity, the real hard part is to um, get clarity as to what this brand stands for and make sure everything you do as an organization delivers on that promise. Um, uh, as in an earlier segment of the show, you're talking about the uh, important for companies to be good guys and uh, mm-hmm. consumers really want good things. And, you know, Brands used to be the function of the uh, marketing department or the advertising department, uh, and the rest of the company didn't really pay much attention until you know people started to realize that a lot of people play a role in how you think about a brand, from how the product is formulated to how it's packaged to what type of experience you have when you have to return it. You have to speak to consumer service. and <laughs> So you could have great communication and great advertising, and you could have a terrible brand experience for yeah. your end user if you're not making sure everyone in the company gets it. And Patrick Meyer also gets into the, the, the now and not now image of a brand. I think it's rather interesting, uh, too, whether it's hot or cold. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you, you mentioned brand promise. Uh, I think if any of our listeners uh, on the corporate side are being told about, with the help of their branding firm or their ad agency, about their own brand, but would you say the single most important part of the branding process is being able to, d- to deliver on your brand promise? Because that's really where sometimes things get broken down. Yeah, promises are easy to easy to make and hard to keep. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and I think a lot of companies spend, you know, uh, a lot of time thinking what's going to be our promise on oftentimes not enough uh, time on how are we going to make sure we keep it every single time because as as most things uh, you know if uh, 
trust takes a long time to build. A brand is a promise that we're going to deliver this experience to you, and I start to trust you. If every time I touch your brand, you deliver that, and I build a relationship with you, but you let me down a few times, and mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a long time before I trust you or listen to you again. So and it doesn't uh, take three strikes either. Yeah, <laughs> most of the time, you, today consumers are so skeptical. You're lucky to get one strike yeah, or half yeah, a strike, yeah, uh, and right. then you're out because people don't have time for you know dealing with stress and uh, yeah. hassle and. If you can't keep your promise, there are you know, four other people lined up behind you that are you know, eager to tell you and probably can deliver on the, on the promise. Mm-hmm. Are, are brands less distinctive today uh, than they were 10, 20 years ago, you think? I, I, some brands are. A lot of brands are. Uh, and that's because uh, they fail to you know, keep on innovating and keep on reinventing themselves and uh, falling into, yeah, I've heard of you and uh, you've been around a long time, but I can't tell you why you're different anymore because mm-hmm. you're like everyone else. and. Then you end up in the, I've heard of you, and you're sort of a nice guy, but I can't tell you're different, so why should I pay more? And I'll just, you know, I'll buy you if you're if you're the first one I see, and maybe I don't see any others, but if you're not the cheapest, uh, I'll go find somebody cheaper. Special guest here on the Advertising Show is Alan Adamson, Managing Director of uh, Lander, New York, out of New York this weekend. We've got uh, Alan for this hour and uh, for next hour as well on the Advertising Show, and just a... A moment away from a, a great Jeffrey Gittimer feature talking about telling stories. How do you uh, how do you sell? Well, you tell stories. That's why, and it works, guaranteed. Well, that's what Jeffrey says, right? But check that out. Also, check out theadvertisingshow.com. That's where all of these great uh, interviews and programs live as podcasts and RSS feeds. And that's thanks to our good friends at Shipple. Ed Shipple is a great guy, a web marketing company. It's S C H I P U L. So go there if you get a chance and check out uh, Shibble.com. There's more of the advertising show right after this. Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. Most salespeople reduce themselves to joke tellers, or should I say joke retellers, or should I say bad joke retellers? Joke telling is dangerous and usually not very funny. First of all, most jokes are demeaning to one person or another. Second of all, jokes sound contrived, almost like you're trying too hard, you know, kind of like in your sales presentation. And worst of all, if the customer has heard the joke before, makes you look like a complete idiot, especially at the end when you're the only one laughing. Stories, on the other hand, are genuine. They tell about experience. They can use self-effacing humor. And they're engaging. Oftentimes, when you tell a story, it makes the prospect think of their own story and they'll engage you back. Storytelling is also effective in your sales presentation when you're getting the prospect to relate to your product or your service. Stories will establish your credibility when you tell about others who have successfully used what you're trying to sell. So let's see. Jokes make you look like an idiot. Stories make you look like a winner. Your choice. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks.
make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Men, beware. Use one dab of Brill Cream. Just a little dab makes your hair look excitingly clean, disturbingly healthy. This man dared to use two dabs. Now he's in trouble. We refuse to be responsible. Brill Cream, Brill Cream, Brill Cream, Brill Cream. Same product these days, just has a different name and does the same thing exactly. Talking about an old brand, huh, Brad? It's Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth on the advertising show as we welcome back Alan Adamson, a managing director at Landor, New York. Uh, Alan, welcome back to the show. Great to have you here. Thanks. Yeah, and by the way, uh, for any of our listeners who might be interested in learning more about uh, Alan and, and his thoughts, he penned a great article that uh, appeared in January issue of uh, Advertising Age. What? Uh, to set your brand apart, try reality, and you can, uh, I assume, get that at adage.com. I'm not sure. Uh, write uh, write your request on the back of a $100 bill. Send it to Alan. I'm sure he'll get you a copy. Yeah. Don't, but, forget, uh, don't forget Rance. He gets a percentage of that, too. As well. uh, that's okay. true. But maybe by now that uh, you could go to lander.com, and maybe it's posted there. Who knows? But in any event, uh, you ended last segment, Alan, talking a little bit about how uh, – uh, certain categories of brands are very crowded, and in some cases a consumer who is uh, not paying a lot of attention and maybe just going after the cheapest uh, doesn't really give you an opportunity to, uh, or very long of an opportunity to connect uh, with your brand. Let's talk a little bit about price since you mentioned it and the role that uh, price may play or, or may not play in sustaining a, a brand. Uh, I'm curious, Alan, do you think a, a low price strategy undermines brand value? Um Price, you know, price is a branding signal. You know, if if, if you have a luxury good uh, and it's not priced like a luxury good, uh, you can buy a BMW for two dollars. It, it doesn't do a lot to reinforce the, uh, the perception that this is a luxury good. So I do think that you know, price is a strategic component and has to be consistent with the the overall value you're trying to communicate or the core idea. And if you're constantly communicating price, as uh, a lot of the auto folks are finding out very painfully now, if, you're, if your message is, uh, you know, <laughs> low financing and, you know, uh, cash back, um, you're really not uh, building a reason for people to, to, to pay more, and uh, you're not building any differentiation. And uh, sooner or later, the only thing that becomes important is the lowest price, and that's not a game that many brand marketers can win. You know, you mentioned BMW and uh, one of the more outstanding brands out there. And, uh, you know, com- compare them with uh, a so-called competitor, Mercedes-Benz. I think it's a good example of uh, how price has worked against a, a brand. I-, I don't think most people that drive the more high-end uh, Mercedes uh, product lines would want to know that, you know, the waiter that waited on them last night's uh, driving the lower-end Mercedes-Benz, you know. Uh, would you think that uh, Mercedes is maybe uh, – I don't know, diluted the brand a bit by... I, yeah, I think brands have a, a, some stretchability, uh, uh, and as long as you deliver a, you know, consistently, a consistent brand experience at different price points, but at a certain point, you can stretch too far. And uh, if uh, if you have a luxury brand, as I said before, and you've, in general, got to keep everything consistent with that, from the way you service the brand to how you price it, how you talk about it, your attitude, and if all of a sudden you start discounting it, you... Uh, you're going to undermine the basic premise of the brand, and especially for a luxury product. Uh, if, if everyone can, uh, if everyone can buy one, it's really not often a luxury. What about Jaguar, a car like that? That's a Ford. No. Well, they do a pretty good job of not, uh, you know, 
saying buy a Ford Jaguar. They're pretty smart <laughs> yeah. about that. Right. Uh, that's what we call invisible branding. And what you don't want to do is, is make the connection. Uh, and uh, uh, if, if, if people start making that connection, uh, they're going to be more challenged. Although, yeah. you know, most uh, educated consumers these days know that the, in- the industry is <laughs> consolidated, and yeah. you know you could step into any car and probably have you know half of it made by three other car manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in Ford's defense, they did create a luxury division where uh, Jaguar as well as uh, Volvo and some of the other luxury lines come uh, under that uh, sure. category. That, and right. people know that Toyota makes Lexus, and uh, right. mm-hmm. they do a pretty good job of separating that. Even though I, I know it probably comes from a factory that uh, produces, ash, uh, it produces seats for both cars, and mm-hmm. one's on the left conveyor belt, and the other one's on the right conveyor belt. Let's talk a little bit about Lander and some of your product offerings and, and what you guys do. In particular, uh, your so-called brand driver. Explain what that is, uh, Alan, and how it works. It's you know I, I have a you know it, the premise is that if you can't get to a, um, a simple, clear handle as to what your brand stands for. If you have to read a paragraph to understand who you are and what you're about, it becomes very difficult to tell people that inside the company, to communicate it. If you can't get it to a um, what we call a brand driver, a core set of words, a phrase, that really is sort of the, the bumper sticker, the headline for what you stand for, you're going to have enormous trouble getting the message out through advertising, through other communications, because if, if at a cocktail party, five people can't tell each other what the brand stands for really quickly, uh, you're, you're really cooked. So we have a process where we work on what should the brand stand for, how should it be different, how should it be relevant, but then we really work really hard to get it down to a simple, crisp articulation. We call that a brand driver. And once we, once we get that headline, like for British Petroleum, it became Beyond Petroleum. Sometimes it's often sometimes it's a tagline other times it's for fedex it's about you know you know uh it's about you know reliability you know unwavering reliability mm-hmm. and it, but it's a core idea of you know whatever it takes unwavering reliability it's not a tagline for fedex but it's that what do, what do you stand for in the elevator three seconds what are you about and getting it to a phrase or a handle that people can carry the brand around in their head mm-hmm. And is that also, uh, and is it usually down to just, uh, you try to get it down to just a few words? Or In you about just, 10 seconds, give, give us yeah, that given, answer. Given the average attention span of folks inside companies and the people you're trying to communicate, yeah, the shorter the better, the simpler yeah. the better. And speaking of shorter the better, we are uh, unfortunately out of time for this segment here on the Advertising Show. Our special guest, Alan Adamson, Managing Director at Lander in New York. And we'll be back uh, next hour with, uh, with uh, Alan, so stay with us. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. When You're on the advertising show. It's Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and uh, we'll have Alan back next hour. Okay, so don't don't fret. He'll be back. Alan is managing director, Landor, New York, and uh, a lot of good stuff coming out of there, huh? Uh, kind of a, a neat organization as well. Yeah. Uh, I this is interesting. I had something I wanted to put on the top of the stack to talk about. Doggone it! Well. Talk hmm. about something while I find the thing that I wanted to talk about. Okay. Okay. Well, Thank we'll you. talk a little bit about the uh, huge increases that are projected for online advertising of computing 
products, according to eMarketer's new report, Technology Marketing. The uh, This came out just recently, just this past Thursday. The computing category, that being hardware and software, will spend $2.8 billion on online uh, marketing in 2007, which will account for 16% of all online ads during that particular year. Computing products advertising as a share of total online uh, spending had dipped in recent past uh, to 18% in 2004 from uh, 20% in 2003. So we're looking at an uptick uh, in that area, and ad spending for 06 is uh, expected to be $2.3 billion, uh, the research aggregator said. Yes. The aggregator yeah. said the head aggregator, or was it the assistant aggregator? I don't know, but he was very aggravating. Yeah, very sure. aggravating. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and anybody who's sitting back there and saying, you know, I'm just not sure that this yeah. uh, this this web, this Internet stuff is working. I, you think I it's know. here to stay? Yeah, you know, I just don't know. I don't want to spend any money. And and uh, as be, if you were listening closely, it was billion. Okay, not million, but billion. And, so, and you were doing a great version of a guy we know named Sam. Yes, I was, wasn't I? <laughs> yes, Hi, you Sam. were. <laughs> uh, by the way, Sam Sam is in the hospital this week. Uh-oh. He's having Uh-oh. A, uh, some heart surgery, so we Get wish out. Sam well. Okay, oh, boy. we hope yeah. he's feeling better. Oh, uh, speaking of hospitals and Sam and oh. money, we have uh, this here. I finally found it. It says more ho- hospitals uh, market to the affluently ill. That means if you're rich yeah. and you're sick, you're in good shape. Uh, uh, Nicole Miller designed robes. Concierge, in-room computers with high-speed Internet access, manicures, the latest in hotel amenities. No, it's the newest marketing ploys at your local hospital. Uh, In the increasingly competitive market for affluent patients, (laughs) hospitals and medical centers not only are touting their uh, proven record of success and top-notch doctors, which you really ought to think about, uh, but their restaurant-quality food, (laughs) go figure, massages and rooms bigger than some hotel suites. Health care is competitive. And uh, that's uh, a, a quote from a spokesperson for Franklin, Tennessee-based IASIS, a healthcare which operates 15 hospitals uh, in the in the area there. So, well, can you imagine? You are you here for the uh, fungus underneath your fingernail? No, I'm here for mm-hmm. a manicure. Well, in Scottsdale, a healthcare uh, Shea Hospital. And the public, they can get a massage from the spa located within the facility. Let's see if there's more. Uh, Phillips House, it's a separate wing of a Mass General Hospital in Boston. Amenities include specially prepared meals, probably no oysters, uh, interpreters, in-room refrigerators, international phone lines for guests who need them, and the hospital's ads for patients seeking the comfort and elegance characteristic of a fine hotel. Hmm. Phillips House is the ideal choice. 17 luxury so, rooms at uh, Roosevelt in uh, New York City as well. Some of the guests at the advertising show stay at the Phillips House. Yes. Now, exactly. You know, uh, where, where are you going to take your wife for her anniversary? Oh, I'm thinking maybe the hospital cafeteria. <laughs> we'll right. swing through the emergency room just well, to, you know, see what's shaking there. Well, they kind of do that with uh, in uh, you know in Hollywood in L.A. with the uh, uh, the plastic stuff, you know they really care for these people and yeah, uh, they charge a lot as well. If you've had too much to drink, whip by the Betty Ford Center. <laughs> I think the Betty Ford Center is probably bare bones, you know. <laughs> but uh, that, that's funny. Go ahead. Well, that is interesting, and it's a high time that these uh, hospitals get get the knack of that because there probably is a bunch of uh, fluent. Uh, uh, folks out there that would love to spend a little bit more little than bit more what they already yeah, exactly well, more than their insurance will cover to be able to get a little special service as well, they're why, accustomed to and why in at the Hackensack University Medical Center in Jersey why would you want manicures for a fee 
First of all, I wouldn't want to pay for one. Uh, every patient also gets a Nicole Miller Design hospital wear during their stay, and that's that's absolutely free. Well, I don't think well, anything's free at the hospital, folks. Right. You paid right. for that somewhere along the line, or somebody else did, mm-hmm. uh, like your insurance company. But even if it's a Nicole Miller robe, I wonder if it closes all the way. <laughs> well, you know, for a long time we've had designer drugs. Now we've got designer uh, designers, I guess, now involved in the uh, recuperation stuff, process. We've got uh, we've got uh, our advertising showcases on the way here in just a, a moment away from the advertising show. And if we have time, either this hour or next hour, I want to talk about uh, Chris Farley, who passed away in 1997 of a drug overdose. Mm-hmm. And he's now going to be in a, a new ad campaign for a drug addiction treatment protocol called uh, Prometa. Prometa? P-R-O-M-E-T-A, I guess. So we'll hmm. find out more about well, that. Well, he did quit drugs, so I guess that's appropriate. He kind of quit suddenly, didn't he, as a matter of yeah. fact. Yeah. But we've got more on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth here at theadvertisingshow.com. And glad you're listening. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is the advertising show. Today's your brew day. Today you've got to run and start. You're a man who feels the part. It's your lucky brew day today. Get your day off to a running start with Brute 33 antiperspirant or deodorant. It gives you the kind of protection you need. Okay, so to there's make a sure good product endorsement by a celebrity, kind of a celebrity, a celebrity football player. Yeah. And the fact that he wears Brute, everybody wanted to be Joe Namath back then, even with the hair. Right. And uh, so that was, I guess, a, a good connection there. Much better mm-hmm. than a, um, what was the guy, the OJ guy? Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, yeah. That's when it, well, that's when it goes wrong. Every week we look at the upside and the downside of advertising. This is not to slam advertisers or agencies or whatever. It's just to kind of open open your eyes a little bit on what, what, what should be done and, and probably what shouldn't be done. This week we're lucky. It's good. And now it's time for the Advertising Show's Advertising Showcase, an outstanding example of on-target advertising for the good stuff. Here's Ray and Brad. I shouldn't say we're lucky. I should say the advertiser's lucky. So <laughs> yeah. there we go. What do you got That's there? true. Well, uh, great great spot, outstanding spot. Ask.com is the client, uh, Title Cafe. It's Television 60, and it was produced in, uh, by their agency, TBWA Shiat Day, uh, San Francisco. And if you haven't seen the spot, and i got to tell you, it is an outstanding spot. Mm-hmm. I haven't but seen if it. But if you have – I'm sorry, you I have? I have not seen it, no. have not. Uh, a bunch, bunch of people are sitting in a coffee shop. Everybody can connect with that. Uh, looking like and acting like gorillas, standing on top of chairs oh, and tables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hunched okay. over like apes and uh, all with one common thing, and that have, that is that they all have laptops. Uh, and the announcer opens by way of saying, in the beginning, Internet search was less than civilized. So we continue to see apes now pounding on their laptops, holding them in the air. The announcer goes on to say, but then man made an important discovery. Now we see these apes beginning to relax, and uh, this one particular ape they're zeroing in on, his knuckles become a little more human-like, mm-hmm. and he's starting to... Manicure. Uh, cl- yeah, yeah, he's starting to click on to his, uh, uh, using his uh, uh, laptop a little more like a human. And the voiceover continues to on and says, by using tools on Ask.com, like smart answers, blah, blah, blah. And it goes on through the through the uh, product uh, features there. Uh, now we're seeing this individual ape that they've zeroed in on beginning to morph into a human. Uh, VO continues uh, to say, making his ritual of searching the web a more enlightened one, and then the other apes are continuing to act like apes as this one 
begins to fold up his laptop and walk out of the uh, coffee shop, and the spot ends with the voiceover announcer saying, use tools, feel human, and you see the Ask.com homepage at the end, and the voiceover, uh, voiceover announcer ends with search better on Ask. Now, by way of background, and I mentioned this uh, at the beginning of the uh, hour, uh, you may recall a site called askjeeves.com, sure, which same later... Same everything as well. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, and then it became jeeves.com. Well, now we're rebranded as ask.com. This effort, as I mentioned, by TBWA Shite Day out of San Francisco it is a wonderful example of how a company can differentiate their products from their competitors, as Alan was talking about it during the interview. Uh, and, and this strategy is really simple because it's all about emphasizing product features. Obviously, Yahoo and Google are the two targeted competitors here, and, and Google obviously being the dominant player in this particular category. Uh, so while Google is trying to figure out what they want to be, a search engine or a media company, Ask.com is uh, deciding to fill a void here by focusing in on being just a search engine. Uh, and if you use Ask.com, you'll you'll notice that the home page, or if you've seen it, the home page does look a whole lot like the old uncluttered Google.com. So uh, how did this spot differentiate itself from Yahoo and Google? Well, as I said, by emphasizing the uh, in a clever and, and entertaining way, the, the product features, the navigation bar, the little thing called binoculars where you're going to be able to see a graphical sample of the home page without clicking all the way through, and some other really cool features that you find unique to Ask.com. And I know Ray and I were talking about this off the air. We both consider ourselves web savvy. And after seeing this particular spot, I in particular was moved to go visit Ask.com online. And frankly, I was very impressed when I did a little search. The first time I, I attempted the search, Ask.com did not give me the results saying that they had an unusually large amount of web searches and asked me to try again later. A few seconds later, I did, and it came up, and it worked fine, well, which I guess... that's kind of weird, though, Brad. That's... Well, I think what's happening is their, their advertising's working, and so they're increasing their visitors, and maybe they didn't anticipate the advertising working so well because they're getting a heavy heavy usage, and they're not unable to handle it, but, right. <clears throat> excuse me, in any event, I... Uh, I would expect this campaign, to, this spot, and, and other spots that follow to accomplish uh, increased traffic and increased usage, uh, um, you know, that and much more. And, you know, it'll be an interesting, Ray, to keep an eye on Ask.com to see if they can not only the agency build off of this strategy, but the company itself, if they can maintain the core value of being a search engine and not go the way of Google. But uh, we had a guest on our show, Chuck McBride, Executive Creative Director of uh, TBWA Shiat Day out of San Francisco, and he's the executive creative director on this particular spot. So congratulations to you, Chuck, the agency, as well as your client, Ask.com, for this week's Advertiser Showcase. Yes, and uh, uh, he actually gets a prize. It's a bottle of Brut. No, <laughs> something like that. We'll, we'll find it. Uh, that, that's he was a great good. guest, as I recall, when we had him on. He was a great guest. Yeah, exactly, and very very talented. And obviously. he'll be getting an audio clip of this particular uh, advertiser showcase because we send both the good and the bad out to the client, the agency, and everybody else. So if your well, company you is Keep the lawyers featured, busy. You know what I say, bro? <laughs> 
Well, yeah. it's all it's all just my opinion. Yeah. And if you have a problem with it, well, Ray Shillings handles all my legal fast work. <laughs> footsteps. Fast footsteps. Yeah, just call me uh, Johnny, uh, whatever his name Dewey is. Dewey Cheatham and Howe. Yeah, Dewey Cheatham and Howe. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Hey, we've got uh, more with uh, with Alan Adamson uh, coming back next hour on the advertising show. We also have, uh, let's see, Joe Jaffe is a different perspective. Talking about walk your talk, okay? That's always something that everybody should do, you know? You promise you're going to do something, do it. Show other people how. Uh, Andy Borowitz next hour on the advertising show as well uh, with uh, another piece on Dick Cheney. Poor Andy Borowitz will never leave poor Dick Cheney alone. <laughs> and we're out of time for this hour, but I want to talk at the top of the hour here in just a few minutes about Chris Farley, who's the spokesperson on the uh, the overdose drug overdose uh, addiction treatment advertisement that has just come out. Very interesting. So, we've got the advertisingshow.com. It's a great venue to go to. You can pick up the podcast and the RSS feeds, and it's absolutely free. You just go there and get it, and you can listen to a whole bunch of stuff as well. Um, and uh, so, do that if you will. But stay right here for the time being. Advertising Show brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production. Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Officially, it's hour number two of The Advertising Show, and officially, you're still with us. That's a good thing, Okay. Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production. We continue our conversation this hour with Alan Adamson, Managing Director of Lander, New York. That's L-A-N-D-O-R, New York. And Lander.com is where you find out more about uh, Alan. He's also a, uh, by the way, Brad, a, uh, a spokesperson. Not a spokesperson. He's a, uh, what is it here? Uh, he teaches as well. Uh, he's a professor. Exactly. He's Professor Adam. Uh, Alan. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Where does he teach? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's written down here. Hold on. Yeah. You Would you like me to find that, really? Well, okay, I'm yeah. just curious since you teased me a little bit. I might want to take a class. I thought it was New York University Stern Graduate School of Business. It is. That's where he uh, graduated from as well, but he also teaches there. And uh, where is he? Where else does it say? I'm guessing maybe the Yale School of Management. Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Or you can go to Lander.com. Or you can go... Yeah, you can take these classes online. So before we get into the feature here with our friend Joe Jaffe, the guy, I think he has a Jersey accent. I think that's what is it? it is. It's either Jersey or uh, Connecticut. I'm not I'm sure. still trying to put my finger on that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. He has not found out exactly completely yet either. I um, think he's Canadian. Canadian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it could be. Uh, uh, Chris Farley passed away 97 of a drug mm-hmm. overdose. And uh, he appeared in only one advertisement in his entire career. Do you hmm. know what that is? I no, I had no idea. ESPN in the mid-'90s uh, appears larger than life. Well, he was a larger guy. In a less-than-flattering billboard image that has gone up in several areas in L.A., the tagline on the billboard says, It wasn't all his fault. The uh, copy also says, Addiction is physical. The treatment is medical. Wow. I guess uh, Tom Cruise would have a uh, problem with that, though, right? 
Well, you know, that's such a shame because he was just an outstanding actor and, and comedian and uh, mm-hmm. such a waste to die at a young age. And unfortunately, that happens with uh, drug addictions. And uh, I think just what you described there, Ray, that, that's a very impactful uh, of ad. But yet I'm not yeah. sure how many of the younger people would even connect with uh, Farley. Well, yeah, 1997 is a long, uh, long time yeah. ago. It was almost a decade ago. Outdoor campaign accompanied by radio spots in L.A. and an Internet buy, including paid uh, search on uh, Google, MSN, and Yahoo for 100 words related to alcohol and uh, drug addiction treatment. Uh, online advertising mm-hmm. also be appearing at laweekly.com, latimes.com, and la.com. So I, I guess in a way it's it's nice to know that uh, Chris might be able to have an impact on somebody who's kind of going in the wrong direction, so to yep. speak, So um, yep. and uh, maybe give them some hope because I think a lot of folks who are involved in that kind of stuff kind of give up, and they figure, well, they're going to die anyway. What the heck? So mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of sad. I think but you're right. That's sad. I guess my only question would be, again, and I'm not making light of this because anything that has an impact will be a positive thing, but I'm not sure how many of the younger people that are, you know, doing drugs and starting drugs, as you pointed out earlier, and as I mentioned, can connect with Farley, Farley who's, yeah, as you exactly. say, it's almost been a decade that he's been yeah. gone. Now, if you're watching some of the old Saturday Night Live skits and you're, you're young and you're into that, then maybe you know the guy. But uh, well, anyway. Well, even, even further a stretch would be uh, John Belushi. Uh, well, yeah. And they would say, you mean Jim? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's like the people who don't know who, who the Beatles are. You mean there was a group before Wings? <laughs> yeah, there yeah. was, as a matter of fact. Sit down exactly. and we'll talk about it. Hey, can, yeah. uh, let's, let's get this on before we uh, run out of time this segment here because... All right. You know, Joe has a tendency to, to, to ramble. You know what I mean? In a positive way, though, Joe. It's, it's good stuff. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective. Featuring author and new marketing consultant, Joseph Jaffe. Probably one of my biggest gripes in the space right now is the amount of rhetoric and lip service given to some of the new marketing approaches and new marketing techniques. Blogs and podcasting almost seem to be one word in the lexicon or the vernacular of the average marketer or average agency or media executive. They're not. And just because you mention the words podcasting and blog in the same sentence doesn't necessarily make you smarter and doesn't necessarily mean that you're more in the know and more able to capitalize on the range of possibilities and the potential that new marketing offers. My advice to you is very simple. You have to walk your talk. You have to roll up your sleeves and actually experience this for yourselves. At the very minimum, when it comes to podcasting, for example, you should be actively subscribing and listening to podcasts on a regular basis. That's daily and weekly. It's only by listening and really getting to understand this explosive and and exciting new medium for yourselves that you will understand the opportunities and the possibilities that exist. If you really want to impress me, go ahead and create your own podcast or star in one. You'll get to experience firsthand the pleasure and the pains of exploring and pioneering in a bold new medium. And it will certainly give you a unique and hopefully differentiated insight that many, if not most, of your competitors haven't even begun to figure out yet. This has been A Different Perspective. Featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC and author of Life After the 30-Second Spot. 
On the advertising show, Rachel and Brad Forsyth, we're going to bring back Alan Adamson, uh, Lander, New York. Alan is out of New York uh, this weekend, and uh, we're happy to have him on the show. We'll bring him back here in uh, well, just a few minutes away from now, so that's good. Yeah. Jet, who do we have on from JetBlue? That's putting you on the spot, but I, well, I, don't, I don't remember. It was a marketing person from JetBlue, right? Actually... I think it was an author, Ray. Uh, an author, an author oh, that's right. That it was an author. written a book about JetBlue. Yep. There is a JetBlue Airways launching a new multi-platform marketing effort by uh, WPP Group's uh, uh, JetBlue Airways. Uh, it's JWT New York, that is. It combines web advertising, user-generated content, courtesy uh, of story booths uh, set up in airports in eight cities, as well as more traditional TV and radio spots. So... They're expanding on JetBlue, and I know this is going to bring a tear to your eye, but earlier mm-hmm. this week, uh, Hooters Airlines um, has now canceled most of their flights. Uh, <laughs> they don't have, they have three, I think they have three airplanes, there maybe more. Fr- oh, no. Yeah. So, my frequent flyer count. Exactly. So if you were planning on traveling on Hooters Air, uh, good luck. Yeah. And there's a lot of out-of-work stewardesses, which will probably go back to the, uh, or flight attendants, I should say. I smell uh, wings. <laughs> and beer. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's funny. Hooters Air. It's, it, slowly but surely, they closed one, then they closed another, then they stopped, hmm. you know, well, we're no longer going to Asheville, oh, no, no longer going to Fort Lauderdale. You know, if they were smart, they would focus in, try to connect with the brand, and just fly over the Rocky Mountains. Fly over the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> <laughs> that would be their only, uh, you know, airline uh, points all over the Rocky Mountains. I see. I and see. then you would always make the connection. You want to take Hooters Air? <laughs> Fly the Rocky Mountains. I see. Don't they have an airline like that? I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, think I don't called, know. But I think it's called Big Sky. Yeah. yeah that's it. You, you, you know, who you were thinking about was was it with an airline? As we did talk with the marketing director at British Airways mm-hmm. uh, at one time. Yes. We have to pause now for this uh, commercial. Uh, uh, Bow your head. Uh, yeah. It's, it's okay. Very good. We have uh, more. Alan is back with us in just a minute for a couple of more segments on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Look what the guys on the team gave me. King of the beer frame. Well, I may not be the best at picking spares, but when it comes to picking beers, I'll pick a kingpin every time. Budweiser is the king of beer. On the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and we promised that we would bring Alan back for our number two, and we did. We're keeping our promise here. Alan Adamson is the managing director at Lander out of New York, and uh, Alan, welcome back to the advertising show. Good to have you here. Thanks. It's my favorite way to spend a Sunday. There you go. Yeah, well, you know, that's uh, Ray and mine, too, or we just can't help it. But in any event, the king of beers, actually. That's true. Thank you, Ed. Uh, Four four of your areas of expertise that you guys really hang your hat on, I I know from doing a little homework for today's interview, consumer branding, corporate branding, digital branding, and environmental branding. I want to zero in on digital branding, certainly uh, 
a subject that's uh, very popular here at the AdvertisingShow.com uh, and all of our people out there that may be listening on an iPod or similar-like device. Uh, you know, we, we often hear about the Internet, the role the Internet can play in, in building one's brand. I think we also hear that it's a, it's a great source for uh, information prior to a, a retail purchase. And, and then, of course, I think the bigger argument used to be that it was more of a direct response uh, a vehicle where you just go in, you want something, you click on, and you buy it. But when it comes to brand building, I, I think a lot of people may be a bit puzzled as to how to effectively leverage the Internet for branding. Are there steps or formula that you can uh, uh, talk about for building a, a one's brand online, or how, how do you go about that? Well, you know, the first thing you do is you try to make sure it links up uh, and integrates with everything else so that if if, if you've got one image and perception uh, on television and one um, message you're doing there, you, you know, you've got to make sure you're, you're, your brand is going to be touched by people through the digital space, uh, through reality, by walking through the store. And, and it's got to hold together at every point of touch. And one of the big challenges, since oftentimes digital content is uh, still created to some extent by people with expertise in that space, is to make sure they're not off doing wild and crazy things in the digital world that have no correlation or connection to anything else the brand is doing in the brick-and-mortar part of the world. Yeah, the old typical uh, integration and consumer touch points and all of that. Easy I think to that, talk about, really hard to do. Yeah, yeah, and I, is that because uh, you know the the companies that are looking to integrate rely on companies that aren't capable of inter- full integration, or or that they're all doing their own thing, and you have the not invented here syndrome. Each one yeah. to show they're creative and be creative in a different way, and you've got technical. Uh, jocks who want to show you how cool they can make things uh, on the website and try to do you know whiz bang things that that are cool but you know not really consistent with what the product or company stands for well let's talk a little bit about lander's help with the nfl and keeping the brand strong during the off season and uh, you know talk a little bit about that i think our audience might find that interesting you know you think of if there's any brand people understand and you know it doesn't need any any uh, brand uh assistance with the NFL, you know, but it turned out that uh, as we started working with them, uh, you asked 10 people inside the NFL, what, you know, what's the NFL stand for, what would be uh, a good show for us to put on at halftime, what would be a bad show for us to put on at halftime, and, you know, if we were going to put our brand on the NFL endorser product, what would be a good product to have endorse? and there was no agreement, everyone had a different perception, so Anytime you have a brand that's touched by that many people and seen by that many people, you've got to get real focused and, you know, you've got to be clear. So what, what do you stand for and what don't you stand for? Because if the people inside the organization have different points of views on it, it only gets worse and worse as more and more people are managing it. And, and you end up with a brand that's really big, but people start saying, well, gee, I'm not sure exactly what they stand for anymore. Because mm-hmm. if you're not precise with the message going out, you can be sure it's going to get fuzzier and fuzzier as more and more people see it. Do you think that uh, employees uh, of a particular company can can command an influence over the brand they work for? I mean, is that yeah, is one that of the possible? things we're finding is before we worry about you know what are we going to do in advertising or what type of uh, uh, packaging or what type of in-store experience, more and more companies are focusing on let's make sure everybody inside this company gets what we stand for because mm-hmm. if we don't have if we can't get it inside here if the R and D people don't know what we're about so they're developing 
inventions that are make sense. And if if the customer service people don't know what I stand for when my customer calls me, it, it's gonna it's gonna spin out of control. And it's harder to do than you would think because they're not clear internal channels really set up to talk to employees. Their companies are designed to look at the marketplace. But we're finding job you know, step one for most branding programs is to make sure everyone inside gets what you who you are and who you're not. You know, uh, let's shift gears for a second. You talk, we've heard you talking a lot about, uh, you know, going inside the brand, determining what your brand promises are and how to deliver on those brand promises, brand core value, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts about uh, uh, celebrity endorsements? We see so much of that today. Is that an effective brand building uh, strategy, reaching out to a celebrity as your spokesperson? I'm going to give you the standard answer on that. You know, huh. it can be, and, it, you know, sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. Right. It, it, the, my rule of thumb on this is that if the celebrity you're picking is 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 uh, is, is perceived as consistent with your brand personality, mm-hmm. uh, then it has a possibility of working. So if you're a fun product and you have a fun celebrity endorser, uh, comedian, that, that could work for a potato chip. If you're a, you know, serious product and... You have a serious endorsement that can work. That's that's just that has to be aligned. And then you know it's also a function of the rest of it. Is that person believable in that role? Could you ever believe that they would really use your product? Is there any mm-hmm. logical connection? Because sometimes you take such a big star and put them on such a small product that you know people people today I think their sensor uh, for real and fake is so finely tuned mm-hmm. that you'll never get away with it. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you know Ray and I talk a lot about this on the on the show, and there are some great, uh, uh, unfortunately, not that many, but there are some great celebrity endorsement uh, uh, tie-ins with products and brands and so forth. But I think what's lacking today, in most cases, Alan, I don't know what your feeling is about this, but if they just ask themselves before connecting up with a celebrity, is there relevance here? Uh, to our brand, to this particular celebrity as our identifier and as our spokesperson and as their persona connected with our brand. Is there relevance here? And if there isn't, uh, run, don't walk from that celebrity. Right, you can't make it run. Yeah. And the other thing is, is, is it a long-term play or not? I think some of the yeah. cosmetics companies do it very well and they pick the right celebrity model. They hang in. It's not just a one commercial deal. It's let's link up with a, with, with who this person is for the long-term I think the I forget, Philip Bosco does a voiceover for Lexus. Um, not many people know that, but he's a rich. He's got that rich, authentic voice. They've been using mm-hmm. that voice forever, and it's become mm-hmm. part of the brand because yep. the two fit really nicely together. And it wasn't a one-off. Well, let's talk about the celebrity as the brand. Donald Trump comes to mind. Martha Stewart as well. This time last year, uh, Media Magazine, February fifth, uh, you were quoted as saying Martha Stewart would have a comeback stronger than when she left. And here we still are in early '06. Do you still think Martha's going to have a comeback? I, I think she already has had a significant comeback. I, you know, oh, I, really? uh, maybe not quite as optimistic as uh, uh, I was before. I think you know part of her challenge was you know she came out of the out of the gate in five different directions and uh, right. uh, and you know when she tried to uh, chase Donald down the apprentice road maybe that didn't fit the relevance measure we just talked about and mm-hmm. people said oh, she's not credible in that space even though she's a usually successful business uh, professional uh, but when she did her own show uh, when she got back on the magazine and um, you know it's starting to cook again so um, I, I think I uh, stick by uh, the gist of that protection and say that uh, you know, she, you know, she, you know Back a year ago, most people you know, were, were writing it off as uh, that company's gone. But, uh, 
Right. But she did, she did come back. You're right. She did, and then but Donald and Martha blame each other for the terrible apprentice ratings for Martha Gee, and Donald and all that. I don't think so. You know. Alan Adamson, our special guest on the advertising show, managing director of Lander New York, out of New York this weekend. And uh, we'll be back uh, one more segment with Alan. Uh, the guy that uh, uh, stays on the map, uh, put your customers there first. I love that. Uh, I love that uh, thing on your website. That's cool stuff. We have. Um, who do we have coming up here? Well, let me look. Somebody. Oh yeah, the wacky world of marketing. If you've never heard of baby advertising, no. Well, you have now because huh. in just a moment you'll hear more about that here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And Hand me my pacifier. <laughs> put that down. And uh, back with more in just a minute. And now, it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our Wacky Update heads to St. Louis, where it's a girl. And now a word from our sponsor. Asia Francis gave birth to a healthy baby girl last weekend, and soon the video of the birth will be available on the Internet. The first time St. Louis mom auctioned the ad rights to her labor and delivery on eBay for $1,000. The deal included a company logo on her pregnant belly. Hmm, how original. (laughs) Unmarried and unemployed, Francis says she needs money to pay bills. The video of the birth of Samaya Wynn Francis will be on DefyingGravity.com, which also features a number of other sponsored stunts. And that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. I dread to think what became of her. That haunting, exquisite creature. A note of music. Save me. A thoughtless word from any one of us. A disturbance of the air could start an earthquake in her. No one could protect her. Dearest. From the passion she inspired. The advertising show, Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth, and Alan gets a choice. He can either have grill cream or that uh, perfume, and whatever he wants is fine. We are back with Alan out of of New York this weekend. Alan, welcome back to the advertising show. Thanks. Great to be back. Just glad it wasn't a Haynes commercial that we were doing there, Ray. Possibly. Uh, You know, uh, one of the clients at uh, Lander, as you mentioned, Ray, earlier in reading uh, uh, Alan's uh, bio is Procter & Gamble, uh, which I think you guys had a really uh, cool... uh, launch here of, a, of an interesting idea, and that being tied with a touch of Downey, which was the first official product partnering of any two uh, P&G billion-dollar brands. What was, what was the idea behind that? Um, the, the idea is, is, is simply that, uh, you know, consumers wanted their way, you know, and convenience and new ideas and the need to innovate. Uh, one of the things P&G has really done tremendously over the past couple of years is to stop looking at last year and saying, let's do the same thing, but saying, how can we be different? What are, you know, what's new, give me some new ideas. And, you know, both brands are huge, uh, and uh, they go together like coffee and milk, and why not offer consumers who want to use it that way the chance to have both cleaning and softening from their favorite partners? And uh, same when Crest put scope in it. And, and so it used to be you know, each brand group operated independently, and you would mm-hmm. never, you know, do that because you would be afraid to muddy the water. But that wasn't taken a, co- a consumer point of view. And for the consumer, it's been a, a big win because there are certain people that want it, and now uh, 
P&G is serving it up that way. And, and besides, the other, the other idea, Brad, was uh, a crest with a touch of Viagra, and uh, that just didn't yeah. work. So they well, actually, that was mouthwash. some focus groups somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see, as you point out, Alan, that uh, most of these brands are very uh, – you know, very protective of their individual brands. And when you do listen to your consumer, you find out that maybe there's uh, an interest in combining two, two P&G brands in this case. It'll be interesting to, to keep an eye on P&G to see if there are other marrying of, of brands uh, within uh, the next few years as they roll new products out. You know, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the focus on the 18 to 34-year-old market. I, and why in the world, when we're talking about demographics and numbers and so forth, I, I don't understand, you know, at one time, there was uh, the thought that you could influence people at a young age and get some brand loyalty going, but I think that with all the vast number of products that are available out there today, as well as what I understand, you tell me, Alan, that young consumers are not as brand loyal as they as previous generations. Why all this uh, interest in uh, the 18 to 34 today? Uh, because, you know... Because uh, it always has been. A, it always has been, and... And B, uh, you know, the, the other cynical answer is that, you know, people who are 50 years old see themselves as 18, 34 anyway. Yeah, well, so that's true. To, <laughs> you know, that, that is true, yeah. You know, to that's pick that, that age group. Uh, and, the, and the third is that, um, that yeah, I don't think there is the, the belief that you, if you get somebody 18 using your brand, you can just sit back and, uh, you know, then watch them use it till uh, they're 95. But, but 18 to 34-year-olds get out more. They're in the malls. They're in the, they're in the marketplace. And if you can get your brand into their lifestyle, it ends up being picked up uh, in television and film, and and it, it becomes part of the fabric uh, of society a little faster than if you were the hottest brand among among the seventy uh, year old uh, golfers uh, in uh, in Florida. Is there a bit of uh, a concern over brand loyalty and the and the younger the well, generation? I, I think there is, just because they're just more into. Our data shows they're more into, you know, going online, looking at information, more, more, less loyal, faster moving, quicker to change their mind, have shorter attention spans, um, you know, relationships, <laughs> without overreading into this, you know, are, are somewhat less important uh, at that stage of your life, and, uh, and I think the same, same holds true for brands. I guess you can only hope that as you as they uh, grow older and and become more settled as uh, family life et cetera that they will I assume uh, as all pre- past generations become more uh, brand loyal with uh, products certainly I know you and your clients are hoping so let's talk a little bit about federated department stores uh, acquired uh, the May company and brand loyalty if it's still as important as we think it always was don't mergers like these risk homogenizing previously well-known distinctive brands in exchange for economies of scale. In particular, I know Macy's is planning to uh, 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 rebrand many of these other department store names that are less well-known, less well-known nationally, but known well within the communities they serve. Uh, concern here? What do you think? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think the world is moving towards... Um, uh, I, here's the plug. I'm, I have a book coming out in uh, September called Brand Simple. Uh, and its premise is that the best brands are based on simple ideas and simple ways to get it across. And anytime you've got a big department store and you've got six or five or six brands to manage, they each could be wonderful brands, but can you do a great job on all of them? Or if you just get it down to one in Macy's and focus on what does Macy's stand for, get simple and execute great, mm-hmm. uh, rather than get distracted and try to build five brands. It's so hard today to build one brand. Uh, if you know, Most companies would be better off... Uh, 
doing that. So while it may be painful to lose some of the great brand names that uh, will be absorbed uh, when Macy's goes nationwide, from an executional and operational point of view, it will be simpler, and I think they'll be able to brand stronger. Well, you know, your book will come out uh, August 2006, again, titled Brand Simple, How the Best Brands Keep It Simple and Succeed, uh, by our guest today, Alan Adamson. Talk a little bit about the central hypothesis of your book while we're talking about it. I'll give you an opportunity to plug that. In 30 seconds or less. In 30 seconds. Well, you know, it it goes back to the beginning when you ask people about brands. You get five different answers. Everyone is a branding expert. Uh, And the best brands are built on really simple ideas (laughs) that people get quickly uh, and that deliver them consistently over time. We'll have more of the advertising show here in uh, just a moment, and we say thanks to uh, Alan for being with us today. It's great to have him here. It was a pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. has changed her name. Call me Susie Chapstick. Hey, Susie Chapstick. This is real Chapstick weather. So Chapstick is the only name well, for today me. we've got that uh, lip balm lip theme balm. going. Lip balm and cologne. Mmm, <laughs> good. Uh, and we uh, want to say thank you to uh, Alan uh, Adamson, of uh, Managing Director of Landor, New York. Again, it was uh, good to have Alan on. We've got uh, Jonathan uh, Holbert, uh, CEO of Holbert Consulting. Uh, which is good that he used his last name to name his company. I like that. Mm-hmm. It shows, you know, he was spot. stumped. He right. was stumped for a name. Mm, he, yeah, well, he came, it was going to be Jonathan Consulting, but that was already taken. I, I wonder if he's going to be out of Singapore with uh, with the show. I haven't heard yet. Will he be calling in from Singapore, or is he here in the in the continental United States? I do not know, but I certainly hope he's not calling Collect. Okay. He's we, a have former, a, we have a thing about that. That's true. We, he's a former executive at Saatchi and Saatchi, YNR and DDB, native of uh, California, graduated from UCLA. I just want you to know that you know, we got a line on Jonathan. We know what he's all about. Yes. Yeah, That's we right. do. And we'll mm-hmm. let you know about that next week here. Did you? Did, this is interesting. We were talking about BMW uh, uh, this uh, during the show with mm-hmm. Alan. And um, BMW has been accused of hypocrisy over gay marketing benefits. <clears throat> GayWheels.com, a gay advocacy auto website, <laughs> is accusing BMW of North America of being hypocr- hypocr- hypocritical <coughs> Excuse me for advertising in gay and lesbian magazines without offering domestic partner benefits to its employees. How about that? Well, that's interesting. That's kind of doing it, you know. First of all, the the Ford got a bunch of, you know, they pulled out of some magazines because they got some heat from, uh, I believe it was Ford, wasn't it, Ray? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they got some, got some heat from some of these groups that said you shouldn't be marketing to gays and lesbians. Now the gays and lesbians, or at least the gays, I don't know, are saying, uh, thanks for advertising to us, but now you need to do, uh, you know, uh, provide benefits to your uh Gay lovers' uh, spouse, or whatever they call that. Exactly. Yeah. And it's I say they. I, yeah. I mean, sexual preference. I don't really have a problem with that. I mean, nobody's going to hit on me because I like girls. You know. That's or true. Or should I say, girl, my wife? 
But uh, you better say girl bread. That's right. Yeah. So uh, you know, I don't have a problem with it. But you know, I think there's a little reverse psychology there. I think they should be that a that you can't. I say they like you know. In any event, uh, I think that's kind of weird. Yeah, I totally agree. It says a BMW spokesperson said the company does not offer domestic partner benefits in an effort to comply with New Jersey laws. Well, they're based in New Jersey. Yeah, exactly. So there should be nothing more to that, but they're in trouble, and that's kind of sad. Well, you know, I, just shifting gears here for a moment, Michael Eisner. Oh, I get it. Yeah. My, yes, you do. Uh, the the former Disney chief, we all know Michael Eisner. Yes, we do. Uh, he's now hosting a show I mentioned a few shows ago called, uh, it's on CNBC, shouldn't last long. Uh, if you don't believe me, ask Tina Brown, John McEnroe, or Dennis Miller. But right, in any event, right, right. Uh, <laughs> odds makers uh, have suggested that uh, potentially Eisner may be up for the NFL League commissioner. Oddsmakers think that Roger uh, uh, Goodell, uh, who is the NFL's chief operating officer, or potentially Rich McKay, general manager of the Atlantic Falcons, uh, may succeed Paul Tagliabue. But uh, team owners and friends of Eisner's are saying that they're campaigning to get him the job. And it'll be interesting. Uh, have you seen uh, Eisner, uh, his TV show on CNBC? No, the only thing I watch on... Oh, that's MSNBC. Uh, yeah. No, I don't really watch uh, CNBC. No. I saw a promo on it, and, it, you know, he's goofy enough, uh, Michael Eisner, you know, without having his own show. Uh, somebody who's gotten really good, and I never thought I'd say this, is uh, who's that? Uh, Donnie Deutsch. He, he's doing a decent job with his show. He's gotten oh, really? comfortable with it. He's gotten comfortable with it. He's done a good job. And, you know, if he plays his cards right, we might have him back on the advertising show. We launched his career as a talk show host. And he never really thanked us for that. He never has thanked us. What he has done is he's stolen most of our ideas. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, you know, so, but that's okay. We don't mind. You know, if we put cameras in these studios, you know, we'd have too many viewers. And, you know, who wants all that anyway? Uh, yeah, we we talked about that at one time as well. We Donnie and Marie Deutsch, we really love those guys, yeah. <laughs> Didn't they remember their talk show? <laughs> the and you mentioned, you met, yes, you mentioned how uh, Donnie's getting sued with his new book uh, is out by one of his former uh, partners. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's stupid. I wonder if that's still happening. Of course, oh, Donnie's got a lot of dough, so maybe he's just taking a shot at him because Donnie's got some money. And it's still happening, too, and I'm sure the lawyers on both sides are very happy about that as well. So I've read that book, and i got to tell you, it's uh, if you're in the business and you want to see a little insight to the world of advertising from uh, Donnie Deutsch's perspective, it's worth worthwhile looking up. Check Amazon.com. Absolutely. He's good. Back with more, we'll tell you who's going to be on next week. Well, we already did, but we'll tell you again because sometimes you have a short attention span, okay? Huh? Uh, yeah, exactly. So more on the advertising show, and uh, we'll do that in a moment. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the advertising show. Nobody can call George Whipple an old fuddy-duddy. This new sign is right up with the times. Maybe this will stop the ladies from squeezing charm and bathroom tissue. Please don't squeeze the Charmin, indeed. As if that could make me resist Charmin's cushiony, soft texture. That's a good example if you really don't have to tell people how to use your product, and especially in this case, it would be a good idea not to. 
uh, <laughs> you tell them not to do something, and they'll go do it. Well, I right. can't squeeze it. I want to squeeze a Charmin. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show, and we'll tell you Jonathan uh, Holbert, a CEO of Holbert Consulting, will be uh, with us next week. Uh, mm-hmm. And that should be a blast, as always. We'll have Jonathan for the whole two hours of the show. And uh, a lot more as well. You know, all these great features that come your way every week. Patrick Meyer, Joe Jaffe, Jeffrey Gittimer, Andy Borowitz, the Wacky World of Marketing, our advertising showcase and the bad advertising. And it's all at theadvertisingshow.com. And that is uh, a really cool website. It's it's made even cooler by our friends at Shipple.com. That's Ed Shipple and his crew in the Houston market. Uh, it's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. And uh, Shipple is a web marketing company. And anything and everything you can possibly do to a website to make it run more efficiently and be out there uh, is what Ed is all about. So it's it's a cool deal. So check it out. Uh, Shipple.com. How do you spell that again? That's, well, Brad, that's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. Or just go to Ed.com. I don't think Ed. No, it, it's probably a porno site. I probably just plugged. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, it's it's probably sorry, Ed. It's probably an edu- educational website or something. Like that. <laughs> no, that would that would be smart. I think so. Yeah. Uh, you, you got something there, and then we can play uh, the Andy Borowitz thing here. Well, just real quickly, I wanted to mention to everyone, no surprise here, online video viewing is a regular practice for Internet users, according to a study of Online Publishing Association. The study, from earlier adoption to common practice, was conducted in partnership with uh, Frank uh, Magid Associates. It found that 24% ray of Internet users watch online video at least once a week. 46% watch online video at least once a month. Uh, and I think this is something we're just going to see more and more of. Oh, sure. And yeah. uh, this past week, CNN, bless their hearts, was offering free video streaming uh, for their, they call it pipeline, CNN pipeline. Hmm. It's like, hello, CNN, you're not going to sell it if you uh, charge for it. You know, put those ads back on there. <laughs> uh, but they're but they're trying to lure people back here. And a quick weather forecast uh, this this weekend. If you're in the uh, uh, Hawaiian Islands, there's a chance of rain. And I know yeah. you wouldn't want to hear that. We I've have that. Uh, we have um, uh, Andy Borowitz right now. The, the, Dick Cheney, the poor guy. The, Andy just won't leave him alone. Let's listen. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for the Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from the Borowitz Report. After seeing his approval ratings plummet to an all-time low in recent weeks, Vice President Dick Cheney suffered another setback this past week as the White House confirmed that he has no friends at MySpace. Mr. Cheney opened an account at MySpace.com in 04 and immediately boasted an impressive list of MySpace friends, including its former aide Louis Scooter Libby and the lobbyist Jack Abramoff. But after both men were indicted, Mr. Cheney ordered his staff to remove Mr. Libby and Mr. Abramoff from his MySpace page to obscure the fact that they had ever been his friends. In a cruel twist of fate, however, a mass exodus of MySpace friends from Mr. Cheney's page began months later as the vice president's network of web-based buddies began to hemorrhage. Once your approval rating hits 18%, you start losing a lot of friends, even on MySpace. As of late last night, Mr. Cheney's sole remaining MySpace friend, a man who identified himself only as Tom, vanished from his webpage, leaving the vice president friendless. Well, Mr. Cheney is considering seeking out new friends on other Internet sites, such as Match.com or JDate.com, as they'd acknowledge that the search could turn out to be fruitless. At this point, word has gotten out that if you're a friend of Dick Cheney's, you got shot in the face, they said. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the Advertising Show. 
To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to BorowitzReport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. You know, I bet Andy will never be asked to go hunting with Dick Cheney. I just Probably have a not. feeling there. He, he's just not, you know, he's, he's said too much at this point. That's hey, true. Hey, whether you agree with the war or you disagree with the war, uh, that's okay. Uh, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. But the Defense Department has come up with a campaign uh, America supports you. It's an ad council campaign enlisting the Defense Department's effort to get Americans to give greater moral support to military personnel serving mm-hmm. in Iraq, overseas, and in the States. Uh, Eighteen months after the DOD launched its America supports you effort with a website encouraging Americans to demonstrate support for the troops through emails, messages, and activities, the Ad Council breaking radio, print, and uh, magazine public service ads urging you to uh, America support, uh, support you dot mil, M-I-L. Uh, and it says, don't let their enemy's presence be felt more than yours. Huh. And I think that's a, that's a nice thing that they're doing, because those guys are out there, obviously, not in the most safest place, right? Right, right. And, Brad, we, we, I don't know whether you've seen on the news, they're talking about uh, uh, showing the good things that are going on over there as mm-hmm. opposed to all the bad. And I understand yep. that's probably tough. The thing that bothers me most is whenever the... Uh, the moron who uh, engineered the uh, 9-11 stuff uh, has a, a new video up. They post it. It's like, you know, if, if nobody would show this stuff and, and not allow it to be shown anywhere, then maybe he would stop doing all of this idiotic stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, obviously that won't happen, but it's, I, I, it angers me when I see uh, stuff like that up there. Sakawi. Huh? The, the guy's name is Sukawi. <laughs> yes. No, there's an old joke. What do you mean, Sukawi? Uh, no, that's a, a, an Indian joke. But yeah, and, and one one reminder, by the Cleveland way, I mentioned. <laughs> we, we mentioned it earlier. A few weeks ago, we were contacted by a company called Upsnap. You can learn more about Upsnap, Upsnap.com, but they're a provider of free mobile search and content services. You want to listen to the advertising show podcast on your mobile phone? We'll go to mymbn, mymbn.com, and you can do that. And how do you spell Upsnap, Brad? That would be upsnap.com. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and go to theadvertisingshow.com, and you can find out uh, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I, there are so many shows up there. This uh, this show started in uh, September of 2001, of all, yeah. of all times. We were and, uh, in the meantime, yeah, we were uh, way out there at that point in time. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of good stuff up there for you, so go to theadvertisingshow.com and tell your friends to listen in, too, as well. Get the podcast and the uh, the RSS feeds as well. So it's theadvertisingshow.com. That's How do you spell that? No, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. No. Uh, Jonathan Holbert is our guest next week. He's CEO of Holbert Consulting, so he'll consult for us next week. And we hope you join us here at theadvertisingshow.com. Being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit them online at age.com. This is a Big Radio Midgets production. <laughs>